0: Now it's time for Inspirational Women and my guest, Rashida Hatchett, a registered nurse, coach, entrepreneur, and author. With the combination of Black History Month and Heart Health Month, Rashida shows the connection and provides the good medicine of kindness in multiple ways as the path forward. Rashida Hatchett, good morning. Thank you so greatly for being with us today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I am super excited to be here with you today.
0: Well, I am super excited that we get a chance to converse because all of this just really unfolded for me, like within the last 24 hours, basically, when I thought I was going to be speaking with someone else. And all of a sudden, as you had put it earlier to me, it was divine intervention that here we get connected. And I think it's so much more ideal in in the sense that you're right here in our Puget Sound area doing your work and helping people with health.
1: Yes, I am uh, born and bred in the Seattle area. So i love to be in my community, giving back, letting folks know what they can do to remain healthy and to prioritize their wellness. So it's a big passion of mine.
0: And that's really what we want to focus on is being well, doing what we can to be well. Actually, going back maybe a a few years or so, what was it in your life that motivated you to go into nursing? How did this all come about for you?
1: Oh, wow. You know, I always wanted to be a nurse. I remember as a young girl, I always wanted to be a nurse, and I always felt like it was going to be my calling. I just wasn't sure how I was going to get there. Um, Prior to being a nurse, I was a domestic violence advocate and um, worked in social work. So it was kind of this helping people bug that I have. And I knew that nursing was the next thing for me. So I made a decision later in life uh, to pursue it. And so here I am.
0: Which is wonderful. I love these kinds of stories where A career evolves into a new career and morphs out of that. And although there's that common theme, as you said, you know, really helping people. Yeah. And so you went to the University of Washington for your nursing degree.
1: I did for both of them, for my bachelor's and my master's. I am a Husky through and through.
0: (laughs) Oh, I can hear the cheering going on. (laughs) Go Huskies. (laughs) But how was that for you? Were you still working your other work and going to school at the same time? Or were you able to actually take time to go to school? Yeah.
1: You know, nursing school isn't something that you can really do successfully full-time and be working and taking care of a family full-time. It is a challenge. So I made the decision to focus solely on school. And I had multiple classmates that were working and raising families and doing it all. But for me, I just felt like I needed to buckle up. Um, and again, I was older when I went back to school to become a nurse. And so I needed to really focus. I had not been out of school a long time, but I was on that journey as a mom. And I was a Mima at the time as well. I had my first grandbaby and I just was in a place where I thought, you know what, I'm going to have to focus 100% on going to school. And I didn't want to have any other outside distractions aside from, of course, the whole family, which was a big distraction because when you have a grandbaby, (laughs) they are the absolute best. So, yeah, I decided that I was going to do school for my bachelor's 100% all in. I was a student.
0: So that is really a great observation on your part, and you followed through on doing it. I feel that in your doing so, you are really such a great role model in terms of helping others, whatever their work-life balances or whatever is going on, because you're really embracing it and living it yourself.
1: Yeah. You know, I think work-life harmony is a huge... For people, it's really hard for them to create that. You know, I moved away from balance a few years ago when um, I started my nursing business that I have now, where I work with women leaders and I coach them through being in leadership and what that means to actually create that work life harmony in your life and to lean into the resilience factors that you have to create not just a resilient life, but a resilient career as well. And I moved away from it because nothing was ever in balance for me. I never had the experience of this scale where my life and my work or career, what I was working on as far as my professional development were in balance. There was always a time where one outweighed the other because I needed to focus a lot of attention in that area at that time. And so for me, I thought, I just need to create harmony between the two of these. I need to be able to say, hey, family, I am in the throes of this thing when it comes to work or school or whatever that was, and I need some grace, and I needed to also then be able to do that same thing with work and say, you know what, I have some family stuff that is really happening right now, and I need to take care of that, and I need some grace when it comes to my career. So for me, it was trying to really create a harmonious situation and not necessarily balance because I just felt like balance was just unachievable for me. I didn't have the ability to devote the exact same amount of time to both of those areas, and it was really causing me a lot of angst.
0: And this recognition and sharing it with us, sharing it with the women that you work with and you consult and you lead really is so powerful because I think we struggle to be able to be heard Mm -hmm. that way. And yet you seem to be able to be very specific and, and recognize this and are able to clearly state it.
1: Yeah. You know, I think that as you get um, older and self-reflection and self-discovery becomes a part of who you are, you really decide that it's time to dig into who am I And what do I need? You really start to discover what's working in your life and what isn't, what's causing you more stress, creating these stressful situations that are impeding your sleep and your ability to think clearly and to do the things that you need to do and to remember all of the things that are on your to-do list. I think when you get to that place of, you know what, I'm going to step back and take a look and see what's working, what's not working, and then evaluate that, you really do get to look at how you can make things different and better and what it is that's causing the stress and if it's something you can control. And for me, that's a big thing. If I can control a thing that is causing me stress, I can then release that stress. So trying to be in this situation of balance was creating this stress and angst for me. And I realized that I could control how I thought about my work-life situation, and I could control thinking of it differently, creating harmony rather than balance, and it released so much pressure that I was able to release some of the stress of this has to be in balance and embrace I just have to be in harmony and then I just need to give myself grace on whichever one of these things is taking a back seat for right now.
0: Wow, that really is powerful, because it's so logical. And I think that many of us struggle to really be clear about that and be able to articulate it and make it a part of our life. And I'm going to say that I think it's maybe even more of a burden for women and then mm-hmm. women of color. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think as women, we don't tend to have the opportunity to self-reflect and to create spaces where we can promote self-discovery, or to even create boundaries and put our wellness in a place of being a non-negotiable. We don't have those kinds of opportunities on a regular basis. We're not checked in on by other people as often as we could be, and we're not checked in on by ourselves as often as we should be. And that really helps to create these stress levels that put us in position to not be as healthy or not take care of our wellness in the way that we should. And for women of color specifically, there is an idea that Black women especially are always strong. We're always able to handle everything that comes our way. We found ourselves in many instances being the pusher of our families and putting our families to the forefront of everything that we do. And that really puts us in a place of being on the back burner of everything that's happening in life. We're the last to get that oxygen mask. And I've been hearing women say so often and women of color specifically that they are just ready to take their cape off. They're ready to Mm -hmm. stop being the superhero. They're ready to just Mm -hmm. dig into some relaxation, rejuvenation, and recharging of themselves. And I think that's so important.
0: And it's often so forgotten. And then not quite so simple, partly because habits are somewhat hard to change, but also yeah. getting others to be there to allow you to, to start making this shift.
1: Mm-hmm. That's a big one. It's really hard to get your family and friends in line with new boundaries.
0: Mm.
1: It is a huge challenge. It's one of the bigger challenges that I help my clients work through is how do I get the people around me on board with the new me and this new version of myself where I have boundaries. I created non-negotiables around my time, my space, my energy, and what I'm willing to be involved in and not be involved in. And how do I get these other folks to say, okay, we agree, and we're not going to try and infringe upon that time. We're not going to create situations where we want to be the first thing in your life. We're going to take that back seat because we understand that you're prioritizing you, and that's important. That's one of the harder challenges for people is to be able to get family and friends and even their job on board with, I have boundaries. I take lunch now, right? I have boundaries, I'm not going to show up to every party now. I have boundaries. I am actually going to do something for myself in this block of time, and no one can infringe upon that. It's the hardest part of what we do is letting the folks around us know that this is happening, whether you like it or not, this is what I'm doing. And hopefully you get on board and you choose to do the same thing for yourself.
0: And then I I imagine, right, we need time to really – incorporate this to to be uh, committed enough that we'll see essentially what we call those baby steps before mm-hmm. we really find ourselves uh in a in a much better space that way
1: yeah I think the biggest thing that we have to remember is that for anything to be sustainable it's small incremental changes mm. you are not going to create sustainable change with these big leaps these swing at the moon, Hmm. all or nothing cold turkey kind of things that we had once been told was the only way like it's all or nothing you got to just do it and that's it that doesn't create lasting change it creates this space of resentment that then has you shy away from that thing sometimes forever because you are so resentful Or the way that you did it before that you just don't even want to try to do it differently. And I work with people all the time to help um, create the push and pull of that and go, okay, it doesn't have to be all or nothing, we can be in, and then we can, you know, back off, and then we can be in again, and then we can back off, so that we're creating this small change that's happening where we're giving ourselves grace for the times where we're not as consistent as we should have been and we didn't get it done today, but then we're restarting again tomorrow, not waiting, you know, until Monday. Like a lot of us will say, well, I'll just, I'll restart on Monday. Nope. Mm. We're restarting again tomorrow. And that kind of harmony that we create with these small changes so that they do become lasting, sustainable habits that put us in position to be healthier and to put our wellness in a place where it's paramount in our lives and not this back burner thing that we think about, you know, the once a year when we have our annual exam.
0: Right. And as we talk about you mentioning that the people that you work with, I think this might be a good time to give the information of how people can connect with you, where to find you, your, your website, so that they can uh, see what you're all about and, and really connect if they need to and want to.
1: Yeah. So you can find me at Rashida hatchet media.com. That is my website. All of what I do is there. If you are looking for a leadership coach and you're a woman and you feel like this is something that I need at this point, I'm looking for some whole life leadership coaching where we kind of dig into my entire life and get me to a place where I'm moving at optimal speed and with optimal wellness in mind, connect with me. I am always on social media as well at Rashida Hatchet Media. So you can find me there at um, on Facebook. Instagram. Those are the two places where I am the most. I'm also on LinkedIn as well. So you can connect with me on social media as well.
0: Great. We'll mention that again before we're complete, uh, finished with our conversation today. So with this, as we talked about, you know, the stresses and the strains on what goes on and aiming to get the into a place of harmonious life, th- those stresses in themselves can create a lot of illness uh, in, in our bodies. But,
1: what, mm-hmm.
0: but there's something beyond that, right, in black communities that really affects women?
1: Absolutely. So I think that we can't talk about the health of black women without talking about the things that affect health and the disparities that are visited upon women of color. And that's one of the bigger determinants of health rather than, you know, whether or not you're taking care of yourself, it's the disparities that are out Mm -hmm. there. And we have been hearing in the news even, you know, more frequently about how those disparities are really showing up in a lot of different ways. So there are multiple things that contribute to the breakdown of health. So when we start looking at, you know, what are those things? How do we classify those things? How do we look at what they are? The disparities, can be related to lack of health care, not being able to access health care, not being able to access affordable health care, not being able to access good health care. Those can be issues that we find are prominent in the black community. It's something that happens where there aren't as many hospitals and doctor's offices and ways to get in, in inner city areas. It's a challenge. And so that challenge can then be exacerbated by my health is not so great, now I have this challenge, and then I'm not able to get in, and then we have the fallout of I'm gravely ill now, right? So that's one of the things that contributes to poorer health. One of the others is the internal effects of racism and what that has done for women of color and how they have to navigate the world differently than other people. There's a level of stress that comes with having to navigate differently, having to have really hard conversations with your children around how they have to act when they're out in the world because they're perceived a certain way, the concern and the worry around their health and their well-being and whether or not they're going to make it home at nighttime. Those things create a level of stress that you just internally live with, And it's just there every day, all day, without you even knowing or being aware of it. It's like bubbling under the surface all the time. So we have to be mindful of the things that our society does that contribute negatively to our health and our well-being.
0: Wow. Yes. And then it seems like, Almost needing to move a mountain, but mm. but that's going to put us out, out of harmony. How, how how do you see do you do you work on this piece of it the both aspects the lack of health care but also these I- internal effects of racism as you mentioned and we could certainly devote hours to that. But can you just kind of in- let us know what might be we as, as a society can take as a, as the first step to, to making a change and, and turning that big freight train around?
1: Yeah. You know, I think it boils down to one very, very simple yet complex thing, and it is more love and less mm-hmm. hate. As simple as that is, it's one of the more complex things that we deal with in life is loving more and being frustrated or upset or, or angry less. And that's one of the biggest things that we can do in this life when it comes to other humans is to just show love. And in that creates a place of peace. It helps to calm some of those things that happen, that internal anxiety that happens around, I'm not sure how I'm going to be treated in this situation. I don't know if this person is looking at me and thinking that I'm a threat of some sort when I really just need help. And I just called because I I just need help. I'm in this store simply to shop. I have no desire to take anything that doesn't belong to me. Mm. So if we spend more time showing love to other people and being kind, we help to reduce some of that internal stress that happens in unknown situations for people who walk around and they just don't know what to expect when they walk into an average run-of-the-mill store or place of business or get pulled over because maybe they were speeding um, and they just don't know what that interaction is going to be like. The biggest thing that we can do is let other humans know, let other people know This isn't going to be a situation that will be harmful to you. I am a safe place. I am a safe person. I am operating in love. And as hard as that is to, I guess I would say, quantify, like, what does that really look like? It's smiling at people. It's greeting people. It's treating people as they are a human and not that they're here to do some insidious act when you have no idea what that person is there for. And how they're showing up, looking at how you're showing up to assure that you're showing up in a way that respects that I'm going to use love and guide how I interact with people with love and kindness.
0: Thank you for sharing that and giving us something tangible that we can do and work with and and. Connected to that, as you were as you began to speak to us about showing more love and less hate, I couldn't help but remember how recently, after the tragic death of Tyree Nichols, mm-hmm. his mother asked for people to show that love, to not mm-hmm. act in violence. And, and it, that seemed to capture it, and it really had an impact.
1: Yeah, I don't think that we talk about showing love enough. When we get asked these questions, and I get asked questions around how do we end racism all the time, like these are not new questions. We usually tend to move in a very systemic way. Like there are systems and processes in place that we need to break down those systems, right? We need to dismantle that so that we are able to really get at the root of the problem. But the root of the problem is that we don't love people enough. That's the root of the problem. We choose not to love people, and with love comes grace. When someone makes a mistake and you show grace and love to that person, it's not necessarily that they're not going to make that same mistake or another mistake again, but it lets them know that you believe that they're human. And that humans make mistakes and mistakes can be forgiven. This doesn't have to be the end of my life because I had a broken taillight Mm
0: -hmm. or
1: because I ran away from you because I was scared that I didn't know who you were or what you wanted or if I was going to make it out of this situation alive, right? Yes. So if we practice showing love to people, taking people at face value until you do something that makes me believe that you're harmful, I believe that you're not harmful. And that part, that's the space that we all should be striving to operate from. Yes. So that people know that they're loved, that they're human, and that you'll have some grace if they make a mistake. Uh,
0: That... I, I, am I correct in thinking then assume positive intent? And even if something is kind of off or, or something negative happens, that at least if we don't have negative energy and hate on it, it it will help that person to, to not act out even more and maybe kind of Um, I don't know, cool down or or, or stop whatever it is that they might have thought they do. Is that, does that, right?
1: You know, when you work to operate in love and kindness, it does help to de-escalate kind of any situation. It's really hard for someone to continue to act in a place of anger and frustration and hate when there's so much love that's being driven their way. So if we are operating in, you know, I am saying, I think you're okay. I think you're fine. Let's talk more. Tell me more about what's going on. Tell me more about why you're angry. Help me understand. That does help to put people off of the defense and in the offense, in the, okay, I'm going to tell you what's happening. I'm not working from a place of being defensive. Now I see that you're open to hearing what's going on. And I'm going to tell you why I made this mistake or why I did this thing that wasn't the right thing or why I'm feeling the way that I'm feeling. But if we approach a situation with that defense, we're on the defense, you're going to get that back. Whatever it is that you give to someone, energy-wise, that's what you get back from them. Mm -hmm. And you watch it in any and every interaction you have with children, with adolescents, with teens, with adults, authority figures, no matter what the situation is, humans are designed to match energy. If you're angry and you're, and you're in a defensive stance, I am now on the defense. If your voice is raising, now so is mine. And if we practice. De-escalating, operating from a place of, nope, that's not, it's not good enough that I match your energy so that you and I are just at odds. That's, that might be the average human reaction, but it's not good enough. I've got to treat you in a way that respects the fact that you are upset about something, and I need to get to the root cause of what that something is so that we can fix it. Not create more of the same type of problem. Let's figure out what's happening and fix it. And if we can't fix it, at least let's come to a resolution where we're both in agreement that we can go our separate ways and we've resolved this thing.
0: So much actual common sense, isn't it, Rashida? Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. It is. And
1: one thing that I think we've learned over the years is that common sense isn't that common. Mm. And when we're angry, when we're stressed, when we're frustrated, what we would do in an average situation if we weren't those things goes out the window. And we're operating from a place of anger and frustration, and our rational abilities are removed. So we've got to be in a place where we remember that if I'm operating from a place of being angry or frustrated, my ability to be rational is diminished, and I need to work really hard to move out of that place so that I can stay rational, so that I can look at this situation exactly for what it is and react to the problem and not to the person and the emotion.
0: Mm Right. Right. Oh, there is like a huge, almost seminar class we could do here. And I think we've just touched, obviously, we've just touched on the surface, but I feel you've given us some good things to work with and to think about. And I'd love if we could really connect again and, and delve a little more.
1: Absolutely. We can definitely connect again and talk more about these, you know, really important topics. I think these are really important things, not just for women, but for all of us to remember in how we interact in the world. Sometimes we get really caught in our own stuff that we forget that the other person and the other people we're dealing with on a day-to-day basis, they also have stuff. Mm-hmm. And so we've got to be mindful so that we're operating from a place of really understanding that everybody's dealing with something. And if I operate in love and kindness, not only do I reduce my own stress, which helps me prioritize being well, but I help this other person, stranger, family member, coworker, to not be as stressed as well. And that's really the goal. The goal is for us all to be operating in a place of harmony. We're all living and working and doing together. and everyone's okay. That's what we want. That's the desire. It's the how do we get there part? How do we put us in a place where we're remembering that everyone's dealing with something? If I just show kindness, if I just show more love, I could really change my own health, my own well-being, my own feeling about how this day has gone and somebody else's.
0: Yes. Well, unfortunately, we'll have to wrap up for today. But before we do, would you please mention your website and the way to connect with you again?
1: Yes, you can connect with me at RashidaHatchetMedia.com. You will find all of the classes and offerings that I have, as well as leadership coaching that I do with female leaders who are ready to expand and prioritize their wellness all at the same time you're looking for me on social media you can find me at Rashida hatchet media on Facebook Instagram and LinkedIn
0: terrific you are so terrific and I appreciate so greatly your spending time with us this morning Rashida hatchet
1: thank you I was glad to be here
0: That brings us to the end of a very full hour of Inspirational Women with Rashida Hatchett and Sunday Morning Magazine with J.O. I'm Kate Daniels, your host, and I greatly appreciate your sharing this hour with me and these special guests. For details you might have missed or information you'd like to know, please just send me an email, kated at warm1069.com, and I will get right back to you. Also, if you'd like to listen again or share these important stories with your family and friends, find the podcast on our Warm 1069 webpage. Just click on the podcast tab, then either of the show names, and then look for the guest names. I now wish you and your family a day of taking time for health, taking time for sharing kindness.